Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tolkien. Now today we're going to be discussing chapter 6 of book 1 of The Return of the King, The Battle of the Pelennor Fields. As always, Katie is going to take a brief moment to tell us what happened on this day in Middle-earth and teach us a new word and the Elvish word of the day. Then we're going to swing over to Chase who's going to briefly catch us up on the events of last week's reading and we'll spend most of this week talking about once again chapter 6, The Battle of the Pelennor Fields. After that we'll be discussing our favorites both from this week of the reading and the past week of our lives. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And you're there. And we're all in the same room. Yeah, so uh, before we... Going to the rest of the show, this is a little special because it's our first in-person reunion uh, fully since October because that's when I moved away again. And so they're real. I'm seeing them, not yeah. behind you're, a webcam. Yeah, you're not in front of, it's not with a monitor in between us. <laughs> so hopefully there will be uh, fewer instances in which Katie and I both start to speak at the same time and then <laughs> both stop speaking at the same time then wait for one person or the other to uh-huh. take over. Although probably not because I think most of that is just attributed to the way that we uh, work with our brains. Our, yeah, our very specific rapport. Yeah. Uh, I want to apologize for anybody who watched the live stream that was supposed to feature all three of us and did not feature me because... American Airlines went out of their way to make sure that didn't happen. Uh, I could go into further detail, but I'm not going to because we would be here for the 12 hours that my flights were delayed. <laughs> so uh, without much further ado, Katie, today is Thursday, July 14th. Uh, what's going on? Uh, so just a couple days ago on the 10th, Gandalf in uh, the year 3018 was imprisoned in Orthanc. Um, and Oh, we saw that in the Hobbit movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, Orthanc, not, yeah, sorry, we saw that, and we read that, that's actually happened. Right, right. Sorry, I was thinking the bit where, in the Hobbit, you, sir, I, I don't know why I invoked that. <laughs> yeah, no, Dip, that's, you, you, you were thinking about Dol Guldor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, but anyway, today, on the 14th, uh, in the year 2941, so back in the Hobbit adventure, um, the company is uh, going up into the mountains, and that's about it. You thought of that scene because it's the only good scene from that third movie. And even then, it's dumb. It's mm. super dumb. <laughs> no, I actually just thought July, and I was like, a lot doesn't happen in July. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, do we have a word for today? Is the word for, is, is it the Elvish? Elvish? Elvian. <laughs> is it the Elvish word for copious amounts of tears? Because that's what this chapter produced. No, although I could have, I that would have been a good one to choose, like a like 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 a like a sorrow word or something like that. But no, I chose a cop out word, and you chose cop out. <laughs> no, uh, but I chose a Cinderin noun, and the word is pelenor. Oh. <laughs> Oh, wow. so, I mean, you should know this from context based off of what we've read, you know, last week and this week. But Pelennor means fenced land. And it's also the walled region around Minas Tirith. Fenced so, land as go. in like fenced in or. Yep. OK. Yep. Fenced land. So they literally named their field. 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 Like fenced field. Land. Field. Yeah. This is like in, in Los Angeles where you go to the, the La Brea Tar Pits. Yeah. Not not the Brea Tar Pits or La Brea Tar Pits, but the, the La Brea Tar Pits. Or the yeah. English name for that, like, I think it's like a Thai, Thai film called like District B-13, where all the B th- the B-13 was just the Thai word for district. So it's oh, basically yeah. District, District 13. <laughs> or uh, Automated Teller Machine. Wait, I mean, Automated ATM Machine. Wow. I Yeah. Let's not turn this into... But we got to talk about last week. We yeah. digress. Yeah. yeah, we got to talk about last week. This is, the show is not talking tautology. <laughs> so last week we had a chapter that I thought was the most epic, epic, cha- ep- epic chapter we were going to read until I read this week's chapter. Mm-hmm. But basically, 
uh, Mary and the Rohirrim stopped and talked with some. Yeah, that would be a great band name. Mary and Mary the, the Rohirrim. Yeah, would be like the front guy. Yeah. But I'm thinking they have to be t- playing like rock and like butt metal or something. I don't know. Anyway, so, but they stop in and they talk with some men of the forest who basically tell them, hey, some bad stuff's ahead of you. So heads up. But it's, but the wind is going to change. And guess what happens right when they get to Gondor and they see this horror, like they get to Minas Tirith and they see like the horrible war happening in front of them. The wind changes and the riders of Rohan get their hope back. And riding to battle and are singing while they're just murdering orcs like crazy. And it was great. And Theoden is like this. Like Orome? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, like Orome. Yeah. Just charging into battle and being being glorious. Yeah. And I will say, not to talk much more about my flight hiccups, but <laughs> after they were like, oh yeah, this plane is broken. We'll get you a new one. And then we like tried to get onto that plane. They're like, oh yeah, this plane's broken too. So we're gonna have to fix this one as well. After we finally got onto the second plane and we like pulled away from the gate, they're like, yeah, there's a big storm. So we're just gonna sit here for three hours. Uh, I think that cloud was m- must have been Sauron's cloud. We had to wait for that that wind yeah. from the sea. That was that was <laughs> that that came from Mordor, definitely. It looked like it I mean, on the radar. I mean, if anywhere in America is Mordor, it's probably like the DFW metro region. <laughs> so or the Orlando Airport. Anyway, uh, so this chapter, I mean, you know, previously we've talked about moments in The Lord of the Rings that have made us cry, uh, you know, but for me, at least they've always been moments. Yeah. Uh, not chapters. This is just an entire chapter of like weep-a-thon for, for me. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's always, yeah. it's always been, you know, like this moment made me cry. Like, uh, I don't know, Theoden's speech made me cry a little bit for, mm-hmm. you know, various reasons. This chapter was not like a tear or two. It was like. Just constant. Like tears rolling down my face, like, you know, <laughs> snot dripping off of my nose onto the page. That's a little too much. But but it wasn't like tears for me. Like for me, I cried while I was reading this too, but it wasn't like with like Sam and Frodo where it was like these like stark realization sort of stuff. It was yeah. more like either it's that, that kind of like everything is badass at the same time. Everything is also pretty terrible all at once. Yeah. And it was just like this, like back and forth that was getting to me. Yeah. This one, like, like punches you in the gut and then like raises your fist in the air for like, yeah. And then punches you in the gut again and then raises your fist in the air. That's basically what happens in this chapter. It's um, like that scene in Toy Story 3 where they accept the inevitability of death, but then they get rescued, but then death is still inevitable. Right. Is that a spoiler for that? Can we, is it been six years? Can we say those? Oh, no. Never mind. Don't listen, been, Don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. It's been long enough. Um, but enough like meta discussion of the chapter. <laughs> we should probably just actually discuss the chapter. Yeah. So we start where we left off. Um, and we had that, you know, again, if we, we just, just to remember, we had this like victorious ending to that last chapter. And now here's where we begin. Because what happened? Well, the wind had changed. And so we, you know, the first bit of this chapter is saying it was no orc chieftain that left, led the assault upon Gondor. No, it was like Ringwraith, Lord of the Nazgul, the Witch King of Angmar. But fortune had happened to have betrayed Sauron because his cloud is leaving quicker than he expected. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so, of course, you know, and 
I think I think if I had one word to describe the beginning of this chapter, it would be ominous because so again, we get right off the bat like, okay, so yeah, this darkness had been beginning to dissipate, but the witch king now is aware of that and uh, his reaction is basically no, 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 (laughs) not that's not happening. And uh, again, you know, if we recall earlier, the witch king had been preoccupied and wasn't really in, in the fray. And now... Well, everything was focused towards Minas Tirith, basically. Yeah. yeah. That's why they were able to come through very quickly. Exactly. And, and you know, that's what it says is at this moment, uh, the if you're you know, if we remember the ending of the last chapter, well the actually the ending of chapter before last was the gates of Minas Tirith breaking open and all fled except for Gandalf. Yeah. Upon Shadowfax. And then the end of last chapter, that we saw the same thing happen, but from Theoden's perspective, and you heard the the resounding boom of of Grand against the doors. Um, so then, you know, the battle starts, and then we, the beginning of this chapter, it says basically, well, the Witch King <laughs> had to uh, not lead the assault upon the city. Uh, he had to leave the gate because other things were happening. Right. So where does the Witch King go? He goes after Theoden. Of course. And if you remember, a couple of uh, different groups of the Rahirim had branched off to do different tasks. You know, Eomer yeah. led his own assault and Theoden was leading his, you know. And it specifically says, among the men with Durnhelm were, what I just, wow, well, I just ruined that. <laughs> <laughs> among the men with Durnhelm were Theoden King. Uh, yes. So these two are together. And of course, with Durnhelm comes Mary. Yeah. So, yeah, Theoden's, you know, charging on, mowing down Southrons, and uh, suddenly this great black beast kind of swoops down over him, and the men surrounding King Theoden scatter, and they're terrified, and their horses, like, just turn tail and run. And I love the description at this moment, because, you know, we've just had this black cloud kind of mm-hmm. start to sweep away. But at this moment, it says the new morning was blotted from the sky. Yeah. So it's like, oh, hey, you remember that turning of the tide? Well, mm-hmm. it's turned back. Yeah, it's that's over now. <laughs> but I, I, I really dig that because it's that like darkness coming back into hopeful men's hearts, because that's kind of mm-hmm. what this chapter is all about. Yeah. Is that kind of like, oh, we were so ahead, but now we're starting to like get pulled back, pushed back. And then this thing, which is described as a creature of an older world, and maybe it was. And it's yeah. like the description of like a featherless bird. That stank. That's that. Yeah, I liked how it like, not only did it stink, but like it flapped its wings. And the, the wind caught up by the flapping of the wings smelled bad. And I was yeah. like, that's great stuff. Well, yeah, and also that it's, you know, it's this, kind of ancient and unholy thing and i liked that uh, i liked the phrase apt to evil that was given to to the beast uh it was pretty great so um yeah this this uh horrible thing of horribleness which has a phd in horribleness um <laughs> well he really spent like seven years focusing on that what was the what was the theme of his dissertation i wonder horribleness did he i mean what school did he is it a good school the state? school of horrible oh okay um, just exude stench i don't know or i mean is this uh like the british educational model where only spent three years getting a phd instead of writing a dissertation he wrote a thesis regardless but regardless one moment i want to touch on briefly is not only did like all horses feel fly Fly, fly. um but it says specifically that like not even snowman who like previously had just like led this charge with theoden and they had this great trust between them like not even snowman was able to yeah not be struck with fear and then specifically as snowman kind of rears up he's pierced with a a black dart and falls over 
crushing, crushing Theoden. Theoden under him. Right. Uh, and yeah, that's that, that, that hurts. So now we get, now we get the Lord of the Nazgul and we get a little bit of visual, 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 wow. Visualization. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Of him. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, 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 it's, it's, I mean, it's again, spooky, scary, gross stuff. Uh, there, like there's really nothing to see in his face except for like the gleam of his eyes. You made it even more metal, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so base, and then I, 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 again, I really love this. It, he's come to bring ruin, turning hope to despair, and victory to death. Which you know, as you said, like putting, uh, putting fear in yeah. hopeful men's hearts again. That's yeah. exactly what's happening. And so Theoden. Well, it says, because it's an important detail later, like, the Witch King does not carry a, sp- a sword. Yeah. Rather, he's a giant mace. Yeah. Um, and then it says, you know, Thaden was not utterly forsaken. The knights of his house lay slain about him, or else, mastered by the madness of their steeds, were born far away. Except, of course, for our friend Dernhelm. Dernhelm alone remains. Oh, yeah. And also, Mary is there, and... Windfall. Just kind of out of it. Yeah, because like the wind... horse had thrown both of them off, but both of them are safe. So right. I'm, I'm imagining almost like that scene in like the beginning of like Saint Private Ryan, where Tom Hanks is like super swimmy and is everything's a slow mo. Yeah, well, and Ma- yeah, Mary, you know, he's disoriented and and I mean, if, you know, yeah. crawling around on all fours, but he's also he's t- saying to himself, "King's man, King's man," you know, like stay stay with the king. Uh, but he, yeah, Mary's like, "What's wrong with you guys? Come yeah, on!" But he can't he can't move. He's like paralyzed by fear or something. But then something oh, something happens that makes that grants Mary the strength he needs because mm-hmm. he hears a voice. Um, yes, and he's a little confused because he thinks it's Sternhelm speaking, but he recognizes this voice. And if you remember, uh, except for the one moment when they met, Sternhelm was literally said nothing to Mary. Yep. And uh, the voice. Uh, it says, "Be gone, foul Dwemer Lake, Lord of Carrion. Leave the dead in peace." Uh, and just for just for funsies, in case you wanted to know, Dwemer Lake is uh, means work of necromancy or specter, which nice. uh, it's, it's great. Cool. Uh, I was wondering that, so I'm glad you you answered. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then speaking of answers, uh, this comment has an answer, which is I feel like Chase, you could read this the best. Come not between the Nazgul and his prey, or. He- Oh, what? You want me to go deeper? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm always worried I'm going to slip in like Duke Nukem, so... <laughs> now I'll just do that then. Uh, come not between Nazgul and his prey, or he will not slay thee in thy turn. He will bear thee away to the house of lamentation, beyond all darkness, where thy flesh shall be devoured, and thy shriveled mind be left naked to the lidless eye. What have I done? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I need to slip out of it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So Dernhelm now basically challenges the Witch King. Pulls the sword out and says, yep. do what you will, but I will hinder it. Yeah. If and, I may. And the Witch King's response to that, again, is uh, it's, there's something in there that's going to end up being his undoing if we... I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. <laughs> I'm all out of... Sorry, I couldn't resist <laughs> no, but notes that like again that no living man can yes. kill him. Yes, and Dernhelm's like, <laughs> yeah. Dur- Dernhelm's yeah. like, well, I was from the womb of my mother, untimely ripped. 
<laughs> oh no, wait, that's no. a different turn of phrase. Yeah, different. That's, yeah, that's that's. But but Durnhelmin's instead, what Durnhelm does is reveals herself to be Eowyn, like taking off the the hood, uh, and you know again laughing, which is great, and says, "But no living man am I. You look upon a woman," and says basically, you know, if you touch Theoden King, I will smite you, uh, which. I mean, I like there's there's no better moment for women <laughs> in Lord of the Rings yeah. than this moment right here. It's, it's incredibly epic. Yes. Well, so then it says that the Witch King himself lay motionless, not lay, was didn't really kind of struck, this, yeah. But his fell beast kind of reached its neck out to snap at Eowyn, who with one swing of her sword just shut it, shut. Chut, yeah. <laughs> Chopped, cut uh, its head right off. Yeah. Now, something that I want to take note of, though, that r- right before this happened, uh, because so, you know, Eowyn revealed herself to, uh, to be to have been Durnhelm. And Mary then, at that moment, kind of beholds her. And, um, you know, like... All the confusion, all the paralysis within him has been lifted. Right. And also, uh, but, but I, there's something really haunting. Mary looks up at Eowyn and remembers, you know way back uh, when they were setting out f- for this uh, errand. Um, remembered having seen in Durnhelm like the face of a man that goes seeking death and doesn't have any hope. Yeah. And um, that's, he sees that again now in Eowyn. Um, and said, and then there's this very important line. Um, and Mary seeing that says, it says, Pity filled his heart and great wonder, and suddenly the slow-kindled courage of his race awoke. Um, and basically what this is, is Mary um, resolving to help her, um, resolving that she will not die alone, yeah. and that he's going to act. Well, specifically, it says, at least she should not die alone, unaided. Yeah, unaided. Because if there's one thing we've learned from hobbits... While they are uh, a little simple, a little distrustful, a little set in their ways, all the hobbits we've seen go out of their way to help each other. Yeah. And this is, again, this is why Hobbit heroism is so important in in this book, is that this was kindled by... um, Like, this heroism and Eowyn's heroism as well, they're kindled by... uh, by their own character yeah um and by the way that their own character their own character and personality reacts to what's going on around them um and yeah so mary sees this this friend who's done him a great service by taking him where he wanted to go and mary resolves i'm going to do something extraordinary uh, so that's pretty great. And yeah, so, uh, you know, now we get the, the beast challenging Eowyn and Eowyn just, you know, straight up lobbing its head off. And the bl- the black captain, of course, the reaction to that is this horrible, horrible shriek and, uh, you know, leaps off the beast and lands on the ground, swings his mace and shatters Eowyn's shield. Breaking her arm. Breaking her arm. And that's when that and that's when Mary kind of like gets that like runs up behind it mm-hmm. and stabs him in the back with the this is this is the dagger left well, over remember, from right. Remember Mary is a hobbit. He doesn't stab him in the back. 
Yeah, he, stab- can't, he can't reach the back. Stabs him in the knee. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I, knee. I meant yeah. to say knee. Uh, <laughs> yeah, stabs him in the knee. But with but I I liked how like Tolkien went back to note that this was the blade from the burrow down. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, oh. wait, what? Well, he doesn't do that until much later. Like, it's oh, just, really? Yeah. Oh, I skipped ahead the, then. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, it was part of the whole development of what happens here. But oh, well, yeah. <laughs> sorry, um, <laughs> screw pacing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Mary stabs the witch king, and kind of right at the nick of time because then. Uh, at the same moment, Eowyn just kind of stabs forward into the cr- in, in, into the, the headless crown. Yeah. Um, and both of their swords just kind of like shatter. Shatter and mm-hmm. the sparkle. Um, but something happens. Uh, the, the, the mass bundle, the whatever was there is, is no longer there. It's kind of like my, my brain just went to just like poof. So yeah. yeah. So then what we later figure out only like after Mary is like kind of wandering the field alone uh, is that yes, way back at the beginning uh, all the way in the first book of the fellowship of the ring uh, <laughs> right after they, is this right after they leave Tom? Barrow Downs was after they left Tom, wasn't it? Or was it before? Uh, yeah. 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 So yeah, that's right. Right after they leave Tom, uh, they get caught in a barrel down and they pick up some swords. And, it, you know, we, we find out that the, the swords that they, or the daggers, really, that they had picked up were imbued with the special magic made by the Dunedain long, long, long ago when their main foe was the king, uh, the king of Ong, or the kingdom of Angmar. And there's a specific magic imbued into these blades uh, that really was only effective against the witch king of Angmar. Uh, who, as it turns out, Mary has just stabbed in the knee. So yeah, it says that no, no sword, no, no greater sword, nor noble, you know, nor wrought more nobly, or you know, no other person could have it inflicted that, yeah, that yeah. wound with that. Like it was, it had to be Mary, and it had to be that sword, like specifically. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was kind of a one-two punch because it's not only you know, no mortal man, as in like for using that to mean human, like no human can kill me, uh, but also no man can kill me. Like Mary, like only stabbed him in the back of the knee, but the magic and the blade that he wielded basically undid whatever kind of magic immunity the witch king had. And then Aeon finished, uh, finished it off. Witch king is dead and Mary is just kind of stunned. Um, Yeah. So Mary is like literally stunned because he just, doesn't know what happened kind of you know it's like i i did a thing well and and it's like it was a blinking like an owl is what's used on that and so i can't help but like imagine like he's just kind of this like i've done this great awesome thing kind of like wakes up from it and realizes oh but i'm just a small hobbit of the battle oh. well i mean exactly it- because that's the imagery i i think that imagery is perfect because blinking like an owl uh, in in daylight is you know again something that doesn't necessarily belong there well and I mean, it also says in the context that he was blinded by his tears. Yeah. So, like, he's yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, I think it's a mixture of, like, since his senses are a little, well, he can't see right now because yeah. he's, just, like, overall with this wave of emotion. But also there's this kind of internal, like, what just happened. Right. Um, you know, which I think we've all kind of had in our own lives. Obviously, none of us have slain the Witch King of Angmar, but we've all done things <laughs> that. I got pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, we've all done things that the stick ate for lunch take is pretty big now. Surprise. So then um, it says that Mary turns first to Theoden, um, and that Snowmane had, in his agony, rolled off of Theoden, but had still kind of been the bane of his existence. Well, not was it existence? It's. Uh, in in like. in the song later that's written, it was uh, master the bane of his master. Yeah, the bane, bane of his of master. master. Um, but it's uh, so, so sad because yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. No, it's it, yeah, it's like one of the saddest, saddest because verses, the bond between Theoden yeah. and Snowman was so strong. Right. So uh, you know, Th- Mary goes to Theoden, and Theoden's kind of dying words to him are. This is when I like to start absolutely sobbing. Yeah. Yeah, um, because you know he's lamenting that you know they'll they'll never get what they had wanted. They'll never get to sit at Metaseld and speak and, and to each other and tell stories. And t- asks Mary to think of him um, since oh. they won't be able to sit together at Metaseld. Like this king of Rohan is dying, and he's talking to a hobbit about how they won't get to talk about herbs and stuff. And I was just that. Yeah, yeah that's killer. That that was killing me. And then, and then Theoden is like, you know, where is Aomer? Uh, for my eyes darken, and I would see him before I go. He's going to be the king, then you know, the next king, and send word to Eowyn. She, you know, she wouldn't let me leave her, and she's dearer to me than you know a daughter could be. Right, and so you know, Aomer rides up. Well, Mary first is like, but Lord Eowyn is. Yeah. And then before he gets to finish that. Yeah. Aomer comes up and Theoden now officially declares him king of the mark and that's and what a bittersweet moment his yeah yeah, that's his his dying act and you know the the riders are um you know kind of hailing Theoden king um and Theoden dies not realizing that Eowyn is right there beside him and that she was the one who had avenged him right I mean he he was beyond salvation at that point but right but also, she's not all. She when 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 the, when the witch king gets slain, she falls on top of him, and everyone thinks that she's dead. Too. Right? Yeah. Eowyn yeah. kind of used used her last strength with that, you know, final blow to the witch king. So she's yeah, she's kind of you know lying prone. But but yeah, this it's it's really tragic. It's very well, and you know we've all seen representations i think in popular culture of the mm-hmm. whole like the king is dead long live the king moment mm-hmm. you know uh very, usually it's like the, the, the way it's presented here is you know usually it's not the king who says it it's like mm-hmm. like um the king's speech you know the king dies and then mm-hmm. the uh queen like turns to her son and says it and then like kisses her son's hand yeah. um in this moment However, like at least the read that I got from Theoden, like he wasn't, at least when he's, you know, says to Amir, like, you're not, you're the new king. And I guess this is the beauty of being able to read something as we all have our own kind of experience of it. But for me, it wasn't a sad moment from, from, from Theoden, but he was like so proud and so yeah. mm-hmm. like honored to be able to pass it along to Aemir and like have Aemir be there for it, you know. Especially yeah. since Aemir isn't his son as well, like the fact that he was still able to have that tendril left of his family that it could pass to someone. Yeah, is that kind of like supposed to think because Thaden's lost his son already, so the heir was going to Aemir anyway. And mm-hmm. I that I can't help but feel like it was like this. This is all worked out. 
<laughs> well, and, in a weird way. And I mean, in this moment, it also says that uh, somebody had seen the the banner of the king still held by the you know the slain steward and somebody had picked it up and brought it to Theoden and Theoden had basically said no it belongs to Aemir now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also uh around... another moment that killed me was I just feel like there was this moment where like Aemir is like filled with all right yes divine like I need to be I am filled with I need to do this I need to I am king now yes. and coming psychologically into the mindset that he is king and then he sees Aemir there. Well, or Eowyn there. Eowyn, yeah. Well, well, well so Aemir has this, there's this great uh, verse that he says that I, 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 uh, it, it's, it's too perfect. But literally directly before this verse, I just want to get this out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so Thaden says, you know, the banner belongs to, to Aemir. And then Thaden says, hail king of the mark, ride now to victory, bid Eowyn farewell. And so he died and knew not that Awen lay near him. Oh, yes. Yes, that that's, that was the part. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great and, bit. And then this this bit from yeah. Aemir. So Aemir's uh, words here are um, words that I remember any time. And it's, you know, it has sadly happened so many times already in 2016, I feel. And, you know, we, we lose one of the greats. Um and uh, I, I always feel that it's appro- this verse is appropriate, but Aomer says, Mourn not over much. Mighty was the fallen, meat was his ending. When his mound is raised, women then shall weep. War now calls us. And um, so, you know, basically, Aomer is honoring Theoden. Um, you know, the, we can honor him best by action. Yes. Or, or moreover, we can honor him best by not being distracted by our grief and losing this. Yeah, finishing right. this day out strong. Right. Uh, he's, he does say, though, like, let the knights who have fallen in his service remain, but bear his body to yeah. the city. And then this now is when... Now he sees, that's his, he when, sees Eowyn's body. Yes. And basically, he becomes inspired by fury. Uh, and... It goes to lead the Rohirrim in. Well, what is now not just a like. Now it's not valor for him. He says literally, death, 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 take us all. Yeah. So now it's like avenge to whatever ends. Right. And so, and bearing Faden's body back to the city, they also take Eowyn, of course. Um, but Snowmane. And. Well, we'll get to that later. Oh, that's mm-hmm. later? So mm-hmm. You keep on jumping the gun. I keep, yeah, I keep, I'm sorry. I don't know. Uh, it does say, though, this moment for you, Chase, the Rahiram sang no more. Instead, death, they cried with one voice loud and terrible. Oh, yeah, well, so, this is, sorry, so this is a huge, a huge contrast to what we had in the last chapter with, you know, of course, like Theoden leading them all and, and, yeah. uh, and like singing and uh, this, you know, like kind of golden glory of the Rohirrim, and this is entirely different. It's this is like red fury, um, and one, yeah. And ahead. then we switch to Mary, who like they just kind of ignored. Yeah, and yeah. That's Mary true. is, yeah, and yeah. again, Mary standing there again, feeling like a little like out of place. Yeah, but who's gonna tell him like why are you here? You know, like so. I mean, it's at that point now. I I think I'm jumping ahead because I find it. I'm just so excited about. Well, this so then this is where we find out that Mary like saw his sword and the blade wasn't there, and then we go and tell that lore that you spoiled for us. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I made reference to it like 
20 episodes ago. But mm-hmm. anyway, uh, what Mary does is he picks up A1's shield or the shield that A1 had given him and kind of slings it on his back. And, you know, he notices the the weapons, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's Theoden and, and Eowyn's bodies are both being taken to the city. And um, it's it's made mention that they would later take care of the rest of the dead, including Snowmane, and that there would be a mound built there, you know. And, um, and again, I think this is so important, this... Um, this uh, caring properly for the dead. Great respect is is given uh, as it's due. And uh, this is another instance of that. Well, so what happens, yeah, they, they bury a snowman and they place a stone on it and carve in the tongues of both Gondor and the Mark, faithful servant, yet master's bane, light foot's full, swift snowman. What also they do is they burn the fell beast where... He was slain. Mm-hmm. In fact, earlier it says, you know, right after Eowyn cuts his head off, it says the uh, the Witch King rose from the wreckage. I just loved the way that that was yeah. uh, phrased. But it specifically notes that in the future, the the land where the fell beast was burned was forever barren and dark and scorched. But the but land around. where Snowmaid mm-hmm. was, was buried was always uh, green and grass, you know, grew there are plenty. As it should be. Again, you know, things grow, good things grow where good things be. I've always loved how Tolkien throws in these aspects of like, this is what this happening here years later. Mm-hmm. Like, just throws in there just slight little things. Mm-hmm. I, I like to think that maybe people will uh, take their horses to graze upon that grass. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So then Mary kind of follows the bodies back to the city because obviously he can't go with Amir and you know, continue the charge. Right. Um, and our friend Imrahil, who is Prince of Dol Amrath, uh, kind of comes with the, the men of Minas Tirith and they come, come out from the city. Because they've seen, obviously now by this point, they've seen everyone come out and the orcs have all turned to face the Rohirrim. So the battle really has disengaged from the city. So yeah. at this moment, it says that like all of these forces have been coming out of the city to aid in the battle in the fields. Right. So Imrahil comes to meet them and basically tells Eowyn's bearers that, hey, she's not dead. Like, he he, he notices that she's breathing um, and basically sees that they'll be escorted safely into the city and then rides on, goes in, goes on into battle. And he, he wept a little bit at first seeing Eowyn yeah. thinking that she was dead. Right. But then, I love the way he proves it, though. He, like, takes a piece of... Metal, mm-hmm. and, armor, and hold, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. holds, holds it over her her mouth and like her her breath appears upon it yeah um i also will say that i am suppressing right now a, a song within me <laughs> uh, the song is ibrahim uh, it is the opening track to the queen album jazz imra hill it's getting much ibrahim. more specific yeah so anyway uh yeah so basically what's what's happening now is um the armies of mordor are beginning to regroup and there are yet more soldiers that Sauron has sent that are coming from Osgiliath. But there are also, like, I, I wanted to say, not all orcs anymore, we get a lot of names in this chapter that are people we've never seen before. Yeah. You know, and we've seen, seen Imrahil in a previous chapter, but, like, briefly. Uh, another person says who joins Eomer is Hurin the Tall, Warden of the Keys, and the Lord of Lusarnak, and Hirloin of the Green Hills. We've literally never heard of this person before, but it's notable that somebody named Hurin is joining in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we get, uh, you know, 
Yeah, so we get, um, you know, more armies from Mordor are coming, and at the same time, the men of Rohan and men of Gondor are dwindling. So uh, the, this, this tide that had, that had just turned, it seemed, in our favor is now, of course, again, turning back against us. Yes. And Be- then... Well, because, like, when the Southrons come, and, you know, they have Mumikil, and, like, as with the Felpies, like, the horses will just go nowhere near them. Right. Because they're, you know, these elephants on steroids. Terrifying like beasts, yeah. Towers um, on their backs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Insane right. things. Uh, but then I also love that it says specifically uh, the armies lacked their captain mm-hmm. because, you know, the Witch King had been destroyed. It says, but Gothmog, the lieutenant of Morgul, had flung them into the fray. I, just, I love that. Ugh. Yeah. Yes. These little yes. indications of... Uh, of 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 the Silmarillion. Yeah. Um so, you know, this this is all going on. Things are not looking well for for the men of Gondor, and then the watchmen see something that basically makes their last hope leave them. And what they see is coming on uh the Anduin um kind of sent from this wind from the sea. They see a fleet of black ships. And I love and that this moment was like briefly predicated with like the explanation of the way that the geography of this area is set out. That you can see the river for like miles ahead. Like yeah. I just love that we get this weird little specific geographic detail. It's like we could see them coming. Yeah. But they see these ships and they're basically, they, they know that they are the Corsairs of Umbar. And uh, the defenders of Gondor see these enemy ships and the enemy is now inspired with a new, um, yeah. you know, they, they, they feel that they've got, you know, even more power coming now. I mean, even Amir, it says, like, he looked, at, he, he looked to the river and hope died in his heart. Yes. And the wind that he had blessed, he now called accursed. Yeah, because yeah. again, that was that, you know, that wind we had heard from Gondor. Gone, this wind from the sea was going to bring this great change. And now what do we see? This wind from the sea is sending these black ships so Aomer, yeah, loses all hope, and um, I, I like once again great a great speech by a great captain. Aomer says, "Out of doubt, out of dark, to the days rising, I came singing in the sun, sword and unsheathing, to hope's end I rode, and to hearts breaking. Now for wrath, now for ruin, and a red nightfall." Well, and I, what I love about that speech, though, is like it says that in seeing this, Aomer kind of came to this decision. He, he knew that fleeing to the city was ultimately futile, so he would fight. Um, it says he thought to make a great shield wall at the last and stand and fight there on foot till all fail and do deeds of song on the last fields of the Pelennor, though no man should be left in the West to remember. Which if, you know, which if, if he's learned anything from Theoden, it's that, um, yeah, this is hopeless. But we're going to fight to the death. So new yeah. fury if, fills them. Yeah, yeah. If if death is coming, then we're going to earn a glorious death. We're not going to sit back and let it happen. Right. And so, in giving the speech that Katie just, you know, just read, he is just standing there, kind of battered on a hillside, with the banner of the white horse like flying behind him, and just like rallying everybody to him. Yeah. And these black ships are approaching and coming ever closer, and suddenly. The first of these black ships unfurls another banner. And what is this? I know this like you should be getting chills right now because what does this banner show on it? But the white tree of Gondor and the seven stars and the crown of Elendil, which 
I mean, no Lord had borne for years beyond count. <clears throat> and then, well, it says, and the stars flamed in the sunlight, for they were wrought of gems by Arwen, daughter of Elrond. And the crown was bright in the morning, for it was wrought of mithril and gold. Thus came Aragorn, son of Arathorn. Elisar, Isildur's heir, <laughs> blah blah blah, and then it says like you know upon the crown was the was the, was the jewel of Elendil. Yeah, and yeah. Was, oh, oh. Can we just? I mean, this is the, this is the moment. Like you know, it's it's been building. It's been building. You know, uh, Gondor has been without its king. Gondor has been without its true leader, and Gondor has fallen into disre- disrepair over all these long years, and. In this exact moment where, you know, once again, we've all of our hope has gone. But before before all went Aragorn with the flame of the West, Andriel like a new fire kindled, Narsil reforged as deadly as of old. Yeah, 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 beautiful. And 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 Narsil also or not Narsil, I'm sorry, Andriel, but burning like a star, you know, so great. And uh, so Aragorn has come, and uh, with him, of course, again, the rangers of the north, and and, Legolas, and Gimli. Gimli They're leading not only the ghosts, uh, the the army of the dead, but it says that they have more men with them. From the southern kingdoms, yep. Mm -hmm, Yeah, and mm -hmm. uh, what I love about this, though, is you remember last time we saw Aragorn was he was making the dead, like, sort of their allegiance to him, and also releasing them from their curse with this banner, which was black and yes. there was no noticeable design upon it. And yet, yes. we knew there was something about it. And so the moment, the second that Aragorn returns, returns as king, mm-hmm. the, the moment of the return of the king, <laughs> <laughs> spoiler or not, like... Big, yeah, the, this, you know, this moment and this banner unfurls and the emblem of the king is here. I just, yeah, no, it's too perfect. And additionally, it's even more perfect because Aragorn has come on this wind from the sea that, remember, that Gon had told us and had told us that, you know, the tide was going to change. I'm sorry, by the way, if anybody can hear knocking, there's something going something on. Something just in, came off my, 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 my ceiling from that, too, the by the way. above us, but yeah, uh, we're, we'll deal with it. Um, so, you know, Aragorn comes... On the ships of the enemy, like literally, these are ships from Mordor, and he he comes on this wind of change, and basically brings one again, like the real turning of the tide here. It's just it's too perfect. It's too perfect in in uh and in it's the it's, the it's almost like it's almost like with that banner and all that stuff. It was like no no, you're gonna make a good entrance no matter what. Let's make this a Epic, beyond <laughs> all imagination, sort of entrance. Well, so then Aragorn kind of runs forth to Amir and Amir, and they meet again on the yeah. field of battle. And and Aragorn's kind of like, I told you so. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not smart <laughs> about it at all. He's like, you know, I told you I would be here, and here I am. And Amir is like. Uh, you know, I didn't believe you, but I'm glad you're here. Also, this is the second time now you've just like shown up <laughs> at the perfect moment. So uh, you know what, Aragorn is taking a page out of Gandalf's book. Uh, no, they all. <laughs> what are you talking about? Everybody is like, where? Where is Gandalf? They've all previously have like like Gandalf doesn't like even matter because they've all are at that moment where guess what? We're coming in like Gandalf would like. Well, 
the bro here have right. done it. Now, 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 Aragorn's done. Well, it. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, in regards to this, when right after the king had been after they had ended up been slain, Mary had the thought, like, where is Where's Gandalf? Because mm-hmm. he, you know, could he not have prevented this? But you know what? Why was why were the Astari sent to, to Middle Earth? Why was Gandalf sent back? You know, given life again. Uh, to lead the free peoples of Middle Earth. Yes, you know he, and to, where Sauron is being a remote uh, ruler, just kind of like sending his lieutenants together. Gandalf has 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 explicitly um, kindled within people their own abilities. Yes, yeah, and he, and forged friendships and relationships between them. Um, you know, Aragorn is meeting Amir as a friend. Also, two kings meeting each other, but like first they were friends. It's like where where Sauron is like you were saying, like dictating what to do and Gandalf is inspiring people. What ends up happening is the ones that were inspired to act, act better. Like, yes. Are much stronger and filled with hope because they themselves came to the conclusion of what they need to do. Yes. Because yes, Aragorn kind of always had the idea of the, what he needs to do in the, in long run, but it still needed him to make that choice to go do that. Mm-hmm. And everything's all come down to, Choices made. And that is the true errand of the Astari. Again, you know, as, as we've said, it's bring out the and develop the potential and, and the goodness and the leadership of the free peoples of Middle Earth and lead uh, so that they can, you know, lead the attack against against the enemy. So, yeah, they uh, they're reunited on the field of battle. And I love it. The, like the sun turns the day blood red, basically, which is pretty great. And uh well, and all the enemies were slain except for those who had either fleed Fled, or yeah. drowned in the red foam of the river. Yeah, yeah. whoa. Like, so, that was intense. Yeah. So, yeah, Aragorn and Aomer and Imrahil then returned to the city. And, you know, these, these three were unharmed. And, of course, there were many that were wounded or killed. And there's um, then we end the chapter with this song that was sung uh by a, a man of Rohan long after, and it remembers all of those who who died in this um, uh, battle. Battle, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I kind of the- feel. I. I mean, after like reading this, I, the first half of the chapter is just like nonstop crying, but then like Aragorn comes in, and mm-hmm. it's great. Uh not uh, no it's legitimately great like not actually like oh great you know it's but in discussing this with you guys like i just feel so not necessarily i don't know i just like feel such a weight from this chapter Mm -hmm. wait what i feel like such a personal weight from this chapter yeah Mm -hmm. yeah this so this chapter this chapter is a real turning point in the story um not necessarily in the terms of the overall errand, um, because again, we still have, you know, the ultimate quest that's happening is destroying the ring. But in, in, the, in the narrative of weakening the enemy and drawing the allies of the enemy away from uh, surveillance of Frodo and Sam, um, this is so important. And this huge victory for the free peoples is a real turning point as far as closure goes um, and, and as far as progress and resolution. Because again, it's not ultimate resolution of, 
the entire errand of the story, but we do get resolution as far as um, the Pel- the Pelennor and protecting Minas Tirith. Well, and also this is a massive battle where it was fought by humans. Is yeah. a big thing to note is that uh, the elves are in such small numbers and are have you know have given their help, but as much as they can even begin. So the point is also mm-hmm. this is a victory brought on by humans mm-hmm. and humans almost basically by themselves and that's something mm-hmm. to note because previously before in the Silmarillion it was alliances of men and elves mm-hmm. now it's alliances between nations of humans of men yeah additionally this is you know a, a a quite momentous occasion in this kind of overall chess game that uh that Gandalf had uh alluded earlier i'm really sorry about the not just don't worry just ignore it just ignore it like i'm trying but it's uh, it keeps like i don't know um uh so you know gandalf had said you know the board is set the pieces are moving right and when he's talking to pippin and that's that's what has happened so you know the men have well eowyn (laughs) and mary yeah but the men whatever have have killed the witch king they've captured and and taken down mordor's captain um, that's a huge blow to Barador, a huge blow. And uh, but remember, this is not the end of the book. No, it this isn't. Is... And, and yeah, again, this is like you know halfway through book one of Return of the yeah, King. we have hundred. We're like a fourth. We have hundred and seventy pages to go, mm-hmm. more or less. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Yep. So I don't know. Any more comments before we move on? This no, was that, that an was an incredible chapter. Like this one, really, I breezed through this. I feel like I feel like this chapter took five minutes to read. Like, well, because it was, how, like, it was literally it was ten pages long. Like, like it was that's how fast it went. But it was the culmination of so many things that have been laying for yeah. so long. Mm-hmm. You know, so many seeds, like the the seeds that have been planted in the fellowship with the the the, the dagger from the Barrow Downs. Mm-hmm. The you know we meet Eowyn three hundred and something pages ago. You know the the, the banner from Arwen. So much comes together in this chapter mm-hmm. in such a way that you you can only set up by having this background. And the thing that's amazing is like Tolkien is simultaneously a master of efficient storytelling, but also very um, like long and dense storytelling. Because you know this comes eight hundred and thirty pages into my copy of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but it all happens in ten pages. Mm-hmm. I- I love that. I mean, I love the whole like concept of like, because this whole book has just been, I've, I've been setting up a lot of stuff. I've been setting, like Tolkien's been setting up a lot of stuff with this like notion of like, trust me, this is all going to pay off. Mm -hmm. And when it does, it might be brief, but it is going to be staggering when Mm -hmm. it does. And it, and it, and because there's there's things that you didn't even just like mention right there. The fact that this this army of ghosts that is the, the the tendril back from the last time we supposedly beat Sauron. You know, mm-hmm. like all these things coming all all at once, and there were no real like there was like one monstrous giant beast, but it was mostly just men versus orcs and mm-hmm. yeah the Mumakil Mumakil yeah and Southrons and yeah. Yeah, like literally, I just feel drained. Yeah, it's, it's you know, like when, it's a, this is an emotionally taxing yeah, chapter. You know, like when you give blood and you just like feel like less capable for yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah. That's how yeah. I feel after like reacting to this chapter. Ah, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Well, I for my favorite moment, uh, there's so many things to choose from. I'm going to resist the sadder moments and choose <laughs> the most triumphant, which is 
that freaking banner of Gondor, mm-hmm. which because it's well, it, it says, I mean, Juan, we've already seen this banner and it's nothing. It's black, you know, uh, but then it says it has the white tree for Gondor, but then it notes that the seven stars, mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. a, that, that's not a flag that flies. Nope. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it's, mm. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, mine is just when, when, uh, like Eowyn says, like, I am no man and all that stuff. Yeah. Takes out the Witch King. Like, that's the best. That's the best. Yeah. That's the best. I mean, honestly, that's probably the best moment in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It truly is. I, I can't decide, uh, between those two moments because those are the two. And again, those are the two, like, they're, they're very, you know, yeah. They're, they're, my favorites, I, I can't choose between them. They're they're equal in my eyes. But yeah, Eowyn, I am no man. And, you know, yeah. Eowyn defeating the Witch King along with Mary. That's like the is, two... Oh, sorry, go ahead. So, so so perfect. And then, but like not, not only just, you know, Aragorn's arrival, but the whole way that it's done. He's... he's comes on this wind from the sea on the ships from Mordor... Bearing the banner of the king, this is this is the way that he returns to Gondor. It's 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 just perfection. And well, and also, I mean, the the note with the wind is kind of like this like connective tissue that, that kind of references back to the dark clouds coming mm-hmm. in yeah. that are blotting out the sun, and then in the middle of that, this but, glorious thing shines out. But yeah. also, you remember, there's just so much like who came from the sea. Mm-hmm. Well. Mm-hmm. The Numenorians came from the sea to Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. here we have yep. a descendant of Numenor coming f- forth from the direction of the sea mm-hmm. to reclaim his throne in the kingdom that was founded by the, the exiled Numenorians. And if you remember, their island was destroyed by Sauron. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. But also remember who came from the sea? Uh, mm-hmm. The elves and people. Feanor. Feanor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking too far back. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Feanor came from the sea after killing after the first Kenslang to like get those boats. He's like, we need, yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. like, there's just so much like, you know, I'm not it's, saying that Feanor killing and taking boats is like a good thing, but like, there's so much imagery like tied up here. It's that so just, rich. Yeah. yeah. It's. And then also on top of it, I just love the fact that in this chapter, we get one of my favorite little like illusions, like, or kind of like images, which is the idea that like, even though Amir saw the ships come in and, he was like hope had lost him, but he still fought. Like I love this image. Like, mm-hmm. like darkness metaphorically has come over them again, but still fighting. But yeah. still like, no, 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 we will still fight. We will still fight in this. And even though there was no hope, but then hope shined through again. So yes. For the first time Ugh. in a long time, uh, there's a song I could do. <laughs> uh, we are not left with a cliffhanger. It's just kind of a conclusive no. ending to the chapter. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, any 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 other comments to add before we? Nope. No. All right. Well, uh, my 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 brief favorite from this week is nothing special, honestly. Just getting to be here and you know see you guys and see all my family and stuff because it's been a long time since I've been back. So yeah, the last time you were here was definitely yeah. October. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. before you left again, yeah. Yay. It's also weird because like I'm in like the last two weeks of being here yeah. before I move out. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be flipped where Katie's going to be the one getting us yeah. audio from the other I'm side. Yeah, I'm going to be all alone. 
Uh, my favorite from the week is uh, I watched uh, I watched Orange Is the New Black this week, uh, okay. season four. I have not been able to finish it because I've been so busy. It's like I have an hour, and it's like, do I watch another episode of Orange Is the New Black, or do I like fill out this tax paper <laughs> to fill out? And yeah, you you chose to do the proper adult thing. So I'm on episode eight right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna say anything spoilery. Just that it it was it was a heavy season, but uh, I, I think. It, yeah, I've been getting that a lot, and I hear that like a lot of stuff goes down oh, for a yeah. lot of characters I like, and I haven't gotten to the moment yet, so I'm getting very tense. But I will say that where I am at this point, like I feel like, I feel like Piper's story just needs to leave the show because I feel like I'm 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 not interested in Piper's story because what that show does you know, has been doing so effectively and what's made it so important is the way that it gives voices to marginalized, um, marginalized Mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. And now they're literally just manufacturing drama for, you know, this like rich white girl who, you know, sold heroin once. Like Mm -hmm. I don't feel bad for Piper anymore and I Mm -hmm. don't want to need to feel bad for Piper. Yeah. I mean, that might be the future. This is, I'm talking as this, as somebody who I've been meaning to finish up the show. I, I, I watched first season. I haven't gone, I haven't gone back. Not because I didn't like it. I loved it. I just haven't gotten the time. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like from what I've gathered from people too is like this this show has legs in ways that it, yeah that it, it, Piper might actually be leaving the show. I could see that happening. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what's come since then because I don't know what's happened in those three seasons. <laughs> I, I will say one of my friends is actually an extra in the first two episodes and it was like so distracting watching because <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh, that's Angie. <laughs> so you got any- but yeah. I have so many, so I'm going to basically <laughs> stockpile for the next few episodes. But, I mean, right off the bat, so, Katie, how are your Tigers doing against the Blue Jays you know this what? week? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'm not dignifying that with a response. No, they're doing I mean, horribly. I mean, okay, the Tigers won yesterday. <laughs> they did. But yeah. they but they won one and the Blue Jays won three. Yeah, so. well, that's just, that's all that's all. I just want to throw that you. out real quickly. But <laughs> I, out of all the millions of different things that I could bring up as my favorite things, I would have to say the most, I'll just say the biggest surprise of the week for me, which was um, Doom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Basically, they've not, there's not been a Doom game in like over 10 years. And everybody has like saying, if they make another Doom game, there's no way it could be good. And all I can say is, like, they brought out they brought out a new Doom game, and it's the this is how I've described people. It's the Mad Max Fury Road of video games, and what I mean by that is it's a it's it's a it's another entry from a franchise that I thought was dead, and ended up being probably the best one in the franchise, and completely redefined a genre and made me kind of care about those type of like action oriented video games again, because. I felt so tense during this game. I can't even like, also the soundtrack is just amazing. Like it's just incredible. It's really one of those things that's hard to explain in the sense of basically it's just, I've not played anything so weirdly gleeful and self aware in a very long time, but it's also very intelligent about how self aware it is. Like I can't believe I can't, I can't believe I'm saying that like doom is probably my favorite game of the year. I can't believe it. <laughs> Actually, I have one last thing to add, um, which is Dolly Parton. Uh, <laughs> overall, it's amazing. But she was giving an interview, I think, to the New York Times, and somebody asked her about Hillary Clinton. She's like, oh, yeah, I think she'd be a great president. Um, and she was like, you know, I think it's time we have a woman as president. And so then it was being spun in the media as, like, Dolly Parton endorses Hillary and she then like went back and she's like, well, I didn't really endorse Hillary, but I do think that 
she would be a good president. And then she was like, but I think we need a woman president. And how about, why not me? I got the hair for it. Um, and, you know, she was, she even said, like, I try not to be political. And, uh, you know, like, the three of us are all fairly liberal. And I know not all of our listeners are. And so maybe you have reached out to us about that. And, you know, I hope the best, I, I, I hope that we can all respect each other and, um, you know, come to, to come to necessary agreements that we really need to find. Um, but I feel like in this day when it's so easy to be so polarized and polarizing and not care, um, Dolly Parton is such a contradiction. Yeah. She's outspokenly <laughs> Christian. She loves her gay fans. Then she this happens and she's like, well, I didn't really explicitly state that Hillary should be president, but I think it could be good. Like, I, we need more middle, you know, and like. I wish that it were, you know, I wish that that could be more easily attainable in, in, in our society right now. Do you, do you like follow Kristen Chenoweth on stuff? No. Oh, well, Kristen Chenoweth is like a lot, is like the Broadway Dolly Parton in many yeah, ways. Yeah, I know. Well, she's from Oklahoma. She's fairly devout. Yeah, so she's a lot like, she's a lot like Dolly Parton that way too. But I, I just like this idea of like Dolly Parton being like, we need a woman president. What about me? I just that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, I guess one last thing, since you said Kristen Chenoweth, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda just played or performed as Hamilton for the last time. And his uh, obsession with the West Wing is highly documented. And in his final curtain call, the orchestra played the West Wing wing theme for him. Uh, I saw that pop up on Twitter and I was like, this is the best. Uh, That that group, whoever got to see that was was very, very special moment. And for those of you who didn't get the connection, Kristen Chenoweth was in the West Wing. <laughs> yeah, she was in the last few seasons. She's one of my favorite characters. West Wing is my favorite show. <laughs> I'm coming to terms with that now. I think West Wing is my favorite show. Someone doesn't watch very many TV shows. It's my favorite. There's just so much great talent in that, too. Alice and Janney just needs to be in everything. Yeah, it's my most watchable show. I mean, the guy, I can't remember the actor's name, but the Leo McGarry is my favorite character in that show. I just dig that show. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, before we go, I would like to give you a thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you much for helping us out uh, monetarily and supporting our editing and other equipment needs. We really do appreciate it so much. So thank you once again to Tariq, Ignatius Pendergraf, Devin Mann, Ariel Alm, Brian Osborne, Dana Victor. Thanks for telling me how to pronounce your name. <laughs> Jason Savage, Anna Dunlany, Jingying Fua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Mike Williams, Jacob Verma, Ben Goldstein, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Avon McMaster, and Michael Laney. tight. And the person upstairs who is apparently hammering their floor. They're super quiet 99% <laughs> of the time. Except right now we're recording. They appear they appear to me remodeling upstairs, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> well, eventually we'll have enough contributions to our Patreon that we can use an actual studio. <laughs> Until then, we do our best. Thank you all for listening, and join us next week where we'll be discussing Chapter 7, The Pyre of Denethor. Mm-hmm. What that's all about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, while this chapter didn't end with a cliffhanger, the previous chapter ended with a couple, so we're getting back to that. Uh, I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com, and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. 
We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if you would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page, where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better-sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge, and we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far. 